This is Michael Popak, Legal AF. It is time to start analyzing how Alvin Bragg got right with the case against Donald Trump. What were the changes that happened uh, over the year and a half? Um, how did he come to look at Michael Cohen in a better light to support many of the charges? And what do we think the 34 counts of the indictment on Tuesday are going to look like? I got a pretty good idea. As I've given the compliment to Alvin Bragg on our Legal AF podcast, I think he was able to both split the atom and figure out how to conduct cold fusion in order to bring this, and I'll explain it. Let's start with splitting the atom. The first thing is, how do you bring a misdemeanor, which is everybody admits it, including Joe Tacopina on network television for Donald Trump, that the that there are false record entries in the books and records of the Trump organization because they paid off at least Stormy Daniels. I say at least because I believe the indictment is going to encap- encapsulate multiple women as part of a conspiracy and a scheme. Hold that thought. That's how we get it jacked up to 34 counts or more because of multiple women, multiple participants in the conspiracy, some indicted like Donald Trump, some not indicted. And that's where we end up. But you start with the books and records entry. There's no doubt. These are immutable facts that everybody agrees to, including Donald Trump. He paid the $130,000, even though he denied it in a video interview that I'm sure they showed to the grand jury. It got recorded in the books and records because the payment totaled, at least to Stormy Daniels, much more than $130,000 um, because it went through Michael Cohen, who convinced the organization to make sure he didn't get hit with income tax problems by um, spending the money and getting it repaid by the Trump organization. So they gave him more to cover any income tax hit that Michael Cohen uh, would suffer. Plus, they gave him a bonus. So there was about 400000 plus in payments to Michael Cohen surrounding Stormy Daniels, recorded on the books and records as legal expenses, legal retainer to Michael Cohen. That's a lie. It was done to cover up the payment to Stormy Daniels. That we know. Everybody agrees to that. That's a misdemeanor crime, but misdemeanor in the state of New York. If it's in furtherance of a second crime, and you've heard a lot about this, then that's a felony. Two misdemeanors make a felony in New York. And that second crime can be anything. It could be money laundering, uh, presto changeo, converting money that had been listed as legal expenses into some, or in, uh, into um, the payment to Stormy Daniels into legal expenses. That transaction is a form of money laundering, tax evasion, because I'm sure they took a tax deduction for the $400,000 payment to Michael Cohen through the Trump organization, listed it as an expense, a business expense. Paying off Stormy Daniels is not a business expense, at least according to the IRS. So uh, in furtherance of tax evasion, in furtherance of a, uh, a conspiracy to interfere with the election process in the state of New York. It could be state, it could be federal. The election law in New York doesn't say federal crime, federal campaign. It says any election. And if you try to interfere with that or try to either promote somebody or stop somebody from running for office using illegal means, which we've just described, that's a crime. It's a misdemeanor. You put those two together, you have your felony. Okay, so that's that's the splitting of the atom that it looks like Alvin Bragg and his team were able to do. Cold fusion is how do you make the case not so much about Michael Cohen, but about a broader 
scheme, a broader conspiracy. Let's call it Catch and Kill, led by David Pecker, the disgraced publisher, owner then of the National Enquirer, who was a best friend of Donald Trump back in his days when they were running around Palm Beach County as bachelors and not bachelors. Um, And so he tried to help Donald Trump. And he had a meeting, and he already testified to this twice in front of the grand jury. Plus, we know from a written non-prosecution agreement involving his company, which was then known as uh, American Media, uh, that published the National Enquirer, that they admitted to all of this, that they admitted that Pecker had a meeting with Kellyanne Conway and with Michael Cohen, and he came up with the idea, David Pecker, to devise a plan to pay off these women who claimed to have had sex or affairs with Donald Trump to kill the story for the campaign by offering to buy the story and then kill it, catch it and kill it. And it looks like the going rate for that was somewhere between one hundred and thirty and one hundred and fifty thousand dollars. The f- Mike uh, David Pecker, we know from other reporting, likely also testified that he came up with the idea. He said, "Let's do it with the first one that came into the into the trap, which was um, Karen McDougal, a Playboy Playmate of the Year, who had an affair with Donald Trump, not just a one nighter, an affair." Um, And she was going to go public with it during the campaign 2016, around the same time as Stormy Daniels. And Pecker said, I got it. We'll do the catch and kill program. I'll have her enter into a a confidentiality agreement, a settlement agreement, an NDA or whatever I'm going to do. I'll pay her the money. Um, I'll pay it. You guys pay me back. And um, and then I won't publish the story. But she'll be locked and gagged inside of a non-disclosure agreement. And they did that. Now, why, here's a curious question that we now are getting to the bottom of, why did David Pecker and the National Enquirer pay Karen McDougal 150000 but when it came to Stormy Daniels, they did it through Michael Cohen and the Stormy Daniels attorney? Why? Well, Michael Cohen says why in his memoir. He says it's because Donald Trump didn't pay Pecker back for the 150000 that he laid out for uh, Karen McDougal. He stiffed Pecker. And therefore, Pecker said, I'm not doing it again. I'm not laying out another 150000 or so for the Stormy Daniels story. So it had to go through Michael Cohen laying the money out from his account. Uh, there's reporting that he tapped a home equity line, paid the money, and then told Donald Trump, and there's uh, tape recordings of Michael Cohen secretly taping Donald Trump, telling him that he's going to do it, and Donald Trump saying, do it in cash, Um another sign, another badge of criminality, another badge of somebody doing something they know is wrong and and a crime. And Michael Cohen does it and then gets repaid through Alan Weisselberg, the CFO, through the controller of the company at the behest of Donald Trump, up to $400,000. That's Stormy Daniels. So the cold fusion is how do you uh, get an indictment that doesn't rely solely on Michael Cohen? You make it about other women, some of which Michael Cohen was involved with paying and some of which he was just involved with devising the plan with corroborating, bolstering testimony from two other witnesses who are credible like David Pecker and, and Kellyanne Conway. And that's how you, you, you slide that elephant through the eye of a needle in using Michael Cohen. Lanny Davis, the lawyer for Michael Cohen, has been quite public recently as saying, Michael Cohen has testimony and has given testimony to the grand jury, both documentary documents and testimony that he was involved with both 
Stormy Daniels and Karen McDougal through David Pecker in that catch and kill scheme, which was acknowledged by Donald Trump and authorized by him, and that Donald Trump off um, at least paid for the Stormy Daniels part of it through repaying Michael Cohen. Lanny Davis has also said, be careful to the defense about only attacking my client, because my client's not the only witness. There were actually nine witnesses, at least, that we know of that went into the grand jury, including Hope Hicks for the Trump campaign, Kellyanne Conway for the Trump campaign, David Pecker and his associate publisher for the National Enquirer, Michael Cohen, and others all went in all around this. So this is the shape of the 34-count indictment that we expect to see, not just Stormy Daniels. I expect that we may even see names of women that we even haven't reported on because we weren't aware that they were part of the catch-and-kill conspiracy. Let's take a quick break to talk about our next partner, Zbiotics. Now, if you're like me, you've probably skipped a workout because of drinks the night before. Like, it happens. But if you're committed to your healthy routine, you need Zbiotics. Zbiotics Pre-Alcohol Probiotic is the world's first genetically engineered probiotic. It was invented by PhD scientists to tackle rough mornings after drinking. Here's how it works. When you drink, alcohol gets converted into a toxic byproduct in the gut. It's this byproduct, not dehydration, that's to blame for your rough next day. Zbiotics produces an enzyme to break this byproduct down. It's designed to work like your liver, but in your gut where you need it most. Just remember to drink Zbiotics before drinking alcohol, drink responsibly, and get a good night's sleep to feel your best tomorrow. Now, I can't lie. After we hit 1 million subscribers, I may have partied a little bit too much that night. But luckily, I knew I had Zbiotics. Now, as instructed, I drank a bottle of Zbiotics before any alcohol, and I was amazed at just how good I felt the next day. Give Zbiotics a try for yourself. Go to zbiotics.com slash legalaf to get 15% off your first order when you use Legal AF at checkout. Zbiotics is backed with a 100% money-back guarantee. So if you're unsatisfied for any reason, they'll refund your money, no questions asked. So remember, head to zbiotics.com slash LegalAF and use the code LegalAF at checkout for 15% off. Thank you, Zbiotics, for sponsoring this episode. And I'm sure we're going to see counts for conspiracy in there as well, which will bring in all of these unindicted co-conspirators like Michael Cohen, uh, who will not be charged and, and prosecuted again, like David Pecker. Same thing. He was given transactional immunity, meaning he could testify to the grand jury and not be prosecuted for telling the truth. So he's he's in the clear. Kellyanne Conway, unindicted co-conspirator number four. Maybe Hope Hicks, depending upon her testimony. And who's at the hub of the wheel of the conspiracy? Donald J. Trump. This is the crime. It's not political in nature. It has to do with his behavior and conduct before he was even president. Um, The guy used to be a Democrat, by the way. People seem to forget that. But that's where we are with what Alvin Bragg was able to do. How did Alvin Bragg get right with all of that? Because when he took office uh, uh, two Januaries ago, he got a briefing from some special prosecutors that he inherited from his predecessor, Cy Vance, Mark Pomerantz and Carrie Dunn. And he had to make a presentation. And he said, let me see all this evidence that you have against Donald Trump, because now my butt's on the line. Buck stops with me. I'm the DA for Manhattan. And it's going to rise and fall on me. Let me see it. Make your presentation. And he had in the room somebody that he trusted. Remember, Alvin hadn't been in the Manhattan DA's office. He had been in other 
uh, federal and state prosecutors' offices, and it's and it spent a short time there. But he didn't he didn't have his people around him at the time. He brought in a couple, but he inherited a lot of prosecutors, line prosecutors, staff prosecutors, career prosecutors, and these two special prosecutors who had come from private practice. Uh, but he did trust Chris Conroy. Now, Chris Conroy is a name you should remember, you will remember, because he's the one we believe actually went to the grand jury and asked them to return the indictment. We got a picture of him going in with uh, the statute book and his rule book all post-it noted and tape flagged and ready to make his presentation. Why Chris Conroy? Because as we heard from Karen Friedman Ignifilo, our co-anchor on Legal AF, there's no bigger Boy Scout who's trusted within the Manhattan DA's office for his brain power, for his analytics, for his uh, no-nonsense approach uh, than the career prosecutor, Chris Conroy. And he became very close and has become very close to Alvin Bragg and a trusted part of Alvin Bragg's inner circle. And Alvin apparently put Chris in charge of evaluating the cases against, potential cases against Donald Trump. And the initial report was eh, not so much yet on the... um, on the uh, crimes related to loans and appraisals. And Stormy Daniels, there's some sticky parts of it, uh, and there's some problems and hair on it related to Michael Cohen's testimony. And that's when Alvin Bragg said, yeah, I'm not ready to do any of these prosecutions three months into my tenure. And then the special prosecutors left very noisily and attacked Alvin Bragg by indirection, saying he's too weak, he didn't, you know, the case was good, we could make the case. But Chris Conroy who everybody trusts in the Manhattan DA's office going back years, um, said no to Alvin Bragg. That case wasn't that strong at the time that it needed more work. It needed to be developed more, more witnesses, more facts, more evidence. And that's why once Alvin Bragg got his team in place over the course of the next year, he had that team that he now trusts, led by Chris Conroy, Um, go back over the evidence and develop new evidence and lines of inquiry and investigation to see if the Stormy Daniels case catch and kill program had legs, if it was something where they could seek the indictment. And the people that he put together, most of which he inherited, some of which he brought into the office, uh, Susan Hoffinger, these are all major lawyers in the Manhattan DA's office, Peter Pope, um, Rebecca Margold and Catherine Ellis in the Major Crimes or Major Economic Crimes Bureau, Josh Steinglass, and then Alvin Bragg bringing in Matt Colangelo, formerly of the Department of Justice, who had a lot of Trump experience, including having worked in the New York Attorney General's office. Once Alvin had this team around him and he practiced his, he has his own um, approach to how to staff matters. He likes to put people, this is Alvin, of different skill sets together. Um, he, so Josh Steinglash is a homicide prosecutor, but he's a great trial lawyer. So he puts him together with Susan Hoffinger and they try the tax fraud case together using Josh's separate skills with Susan's economic crime skills. And they got a 17 count a complete ran-the-table conviction against the Trump organization. This is Alvin Bragg. He took a lot of flack until he could get his sea legs uh, by putting his DNA on this office that he ran for and the people of New York uh, and Manhattan voted him in. But this is how he got right on Stormy Daniels. It's often referred to um, kind of negatively as a zombie case that came back to life. 
It did come back to life, but it's because of these factors, including Chris Conroy getting close with Alvin Bragg and the establishment of all these other people on the Alvin Bragg team that reevaluated the evidence and came up with what they saw was a strong presentation to the grand jury that ultimately did get 23 members um, in New York, 23 citizens, to vote to indict Donald Trump. That's how we got there. We've got cold fusion. We've got splitting of the atom. We've got the new team around Alvin Bragg with new eyes looking at new evidence and old evidence before they make their presentation. And then that's how we got to the indictment. And it's not just an indictment. A prosecutor of Alvin Bragg's medal of his uh, reputation, especially now, historically going down as the first prosecutor to ever indict a former president or any president or anyone of that matter um, at all. He also has the tremendous weight and responsibility to try to get a conviction. I mean, he's already made the prosecutorial decision to seek the indictment. Now having gotten the indictment, he's got to go for the he's got to go for the jugular. He's got to go for the win and make sure that his case, his witnesses, including now Stormy Daniels who'll testify, Karen McDougal who'll testify, any other woman that was in, involved with Donald Trump in any way sexually who got paid off by him in the Catch and Kill program, all the uh, National Enquirer people, um, all the campaign people, including Hope Hicks and um, Kellyanne Conway, this is going to be the case. Now, Donald Trump's probably not going to testify in that case. And his former um, Attorney General Bill Barr has said as much uh, on weekend television saying it would be a terrible idea for Donald Trump, who cannot control himself, to take the stand in his own defense. And I think while nuts, I think even Donald Trump will listen to some lawyer and not take the stand in his own defense and try to win this case one way or the other. But we're following it. This is how we got here. This is how the zombie case came back to life. This is how it has a broader set of implications than just Stormy Daniels. This is why it's not just all about Michael Cohen. It's about a series of other people, including co-conspirators, who are going to tell the story of the Catch and Kill program, a conspiracy story that ends up being 30 or more counts of felony and misdemeanor against Donald Trump. We'll know more about it on Tuesday when everything's unsealed. I'll be back here in my hot takes. And when I'm not here on the Midas Touch Network, I'm doing a show on Wednesdays and Saturdays with Karen Freeman Ignifolo on Wednesday, Ben Micellis on Saturday, where we curate the top five stories that happen at the intersection of law and politics, those politically charged litigation stories. And we bring them to you just like this on Wednesdays and Saturdays. And if you like what I'm doing, you can follow me at at MS Popak on all things social media. Michael Popak, Legal AF Reporting. Lock him up. Indictment season is upon us. Celebrate with the new indictment season t-shirt and v-neck exclusively at store.midastouch.com. 